You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for the second movie review of the weekend. We're finally catching up on new movies, and we're just going to give them all to you at the same time. And uh, if you were a fan of our six weeks of Justice League, whatever we did last year, then you're in for a treat because we've got one more for you. It's been a full year since we've talked about DC or the Justice League, and we're here to talk about the sixth movie in the DCEU, Aquaman, the movie that nobody wanted, and now that it's out... Everybody's kind of surprised that it's actually making money and already has made more money than Justice League in pretty much a week, which is crazy. So I'm interested to hear the opinions because uh, the, the, the two um, better halves of uh, this co-hosting duo had polar opposite opinions on this movie. And I don't know uh, if we're just going to fall in the middle or if one of us is going to side with the other. We'll see here. But uh, my name is Colin and something, something trident. And my name is Ben, and permission to speak in a gruff voice and ch- shout out a cheesy one-liner every five seconds to think that I can act? Oh, please tell me you're not going to be taking shots at Jason Momoa. Oh, for God's sakes, how long have we got? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will be. Um, <laughs> please tell me you're I'm, not, not going to be taking shots at Jason Momoa for an hour. <laughs> no, I like, I like... Okay, here's the thing. Let's just start off with the Jason Momoa thing here. He's not the world's best actor. Oh, but really? He's playing Aquaman, okay? <laughs> There's not a lot of depth here. When, when, when <laughs> he the, talks to fish. When the supporting cast featuring a guy who gets murdered in a sub in the opening five minutes, who is Michael Beach, the esteemed doc from Third Watch, can outact him in five minutes worth of screen time, then two hours and 20 minutes of screen time, you got a problem. <laughs> I don't disagree with you, but I do disagree. But I'm sure we'll get into this as well as other debates it's, here. It's, 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 not uh, just, it's not just Jason Momoa. I'm going to be completely fair on the genders here. You know, there's going to be some bad female acting in this movie as well. Um, very bad female acting in this movie as well. <laughs> Amber Heard, excuse me. <laughs> uh, there's not going to be much argument on that one. But before we get into the Jason Momoa discussion... Uh, I haven't really heard much of your opinion. Um, I actually think this is going to be one of those weird episodes where you and I may seem like we have opposite opinions, but probably end up agreeing on almost everything. But just quickly, what did you think of Aquaman first impression? Look, I, I mean, you sort of said it at the beginning about how our better halves had polar op- opposite opinions. I mean, Mallory walked out of this absolutely hating it. Um, and she's made me sure to say that, oh, if I was on the episode, I'd be bidding it. Um, I honestly don't know how I feel about this film. It's just, I, I don't hate it. I don't absolutely love it. It's just, it's got so many things happening in the space of two hours and 20 minutes, however long it goes for. It's almost like it's a hundred mini films mixed into one. Um, it's just, it's just odd. It's just such an odd film. And I think maybe the biggest issues I have coming out of this outside of the main two's acting ability, and I'll talk about that, is that, you know, I'm such a huge fan of the DCEU and kind of I, you and I spent a large portion of last year talking about how we appreciated the tone and kind of what they did with it and everything. And it's just, it's just so many elements of that now that I feel they've just completely gone, oh, fuck it. Let's, let's just go crazy. Um, and again, I know it's Aquaman. Like it's not exactly the most seriously ground, grounded movie in the world, but Wonder Woman managed to sort of do it. And that's kind of got a lot of outlandishness to us. So. 
Yeah, I I don't. I honestly am coming into this not knowing how I am going to rank this at the end because I just don't know how I feel about this movie. I'm just I'm so surprised as to two days after seeing it, I can't still go like, okay, I hate it, or okay, I loved it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I'm kind of with you on that, although. I am leaning more towards loving it just because I have a real interest in seeing this again. I'll kind of go through my reactions here and then I'll cover some of, you know, what you said. But when this movie ended, Jamie was like like flipping out. She's like this movie is so good. This is my favorite, you know, superhero movie I've seen in so long. And there's other people I've seen have the same reaction. I mean, Billy Garcia from Survivor who's done even a few movie recaps with us on here. You know, he he basically put up it was one of the greatest superhero movies he'd ever seen. And he basically said not since Star Wars in 1977 has he been this blown away visually with a movie. Um, some people are absolutely flipping out over this movie. I don't think there's a lot of people who are like absolutely hating it. It seems like there are some people kind of in the middle. When I walked out of this, I was sort of thinking, you know, I, it, I don't think this is like the worst DC movie. But it's definitely not my favorite. And I was even telling Jamie, you know, I don't think it's better than Wonder Woman. I don't think it's better than Justice League, even. I don't think it's better than Batman versus Superman. Um, I think the only one that I rented when we went through those was Suicide Squad. And I was kind of leaning towards, you know, maybe a low buy, high rent. And then I slept on it and woke up in the morning. And for some reason, I woke up in the morning thinking, oh, you know, I think there was, I had a problem with this in the movie. I had a problem with this. And then the rest of the day passed, and that evening, 24 hours after I saw it, I had my third change in opinion, where I'm like, you know, I really love this, and I thought this was really interesting. And now I'm just at the point where it's like, it's been a week. I can't remember how I felt about this movie. I need to see it again. And I am lucky that I will get a chance to see it again, which I'll tell a funny story about that in a second. But it, it, more than anything, this movie just has me intrigued, because it it is different than what we've seen so far. And I think the funniest thing is that the DC movies have gotten so much criticism, yet nobody's denying that they are different. They're trying to be more adult. They're trying to be more reality-based. The complaints people have seem to be, well, it's not Marvel. And at the same time, the Marvel movies, nobody really denies the fact that they're all kind of cookie-cutter and just generic superhero movies. That None of them really bring anything unique and now we have a DC movie that essentially is being critiqued by every critic in the world and saying DC's finally delivering a good Marvel movie. And I don't know if anybody's putting two to two together to think Aquaman is kind of just a typical generic superhero movie. And yet audiences are loving it for it. So have we just discovered that audiences out there just don't want anything different, that they just want every superhero movie to kind of be the same? And you kind of uh, messaged me about a day ago about how you said – you felt like you'd seen this movie a hundred times before. And I think that's true. We've seen it at least, what, 18 times now with the Marvel movies. This just feels like a run-of-the-mill superhero movie. But it does have me really intrigued. So I almost feel like I shouldn't be giving this a review until I have seen it a second time. I can't disagree with anything you said. I think a lot of what I took out of this, too, was it almost gave me a bit of an old-school superhero film vibe where it's kind of... You know, you go back and watch like the Fantastic Four or kind of like, you know, the, you know, when we did the Spider-Man movies and kind of it, it was mm-hmm. almost a case of, you know, it's just like, fuck it. This is a comic book movie. You know, it's kind of like, it's just going to be fun with a bit of seriousness and all this sort of stuff in it. Um, that's something that I really liked. One thing that I definitely came out of this thinking it really reminded me of, but actually made me appreciate the other one a lot more is this reminded me a lot of the Star Wars prequels. Um, just with so much of, particularly like the end battle sequence and just everything, it's kind of, 
And it's one thing that I actually really appreciated was this whole underwater world and everything that they created because, I mean, you know, we've been critical of the new Star Wars films that there's no imagination in the worlds that they're creating, mm-hmm. that Disney are creating, you know, that uh, George Lucas, at least, whether you hate the prequels or not, you can all admit that he came up with some ideas for some unique worlds in the prequels and mm-hmm. I kind of feel like this is what they've done and, like, I don't really ever get a sense of that in, in Marvel films, like, yeah, perhaps sort of in the Thor films there's a bit of that and kind of, like, with Ragnarok they kind of turned up the week a little bit and, I mean, I left Ragnarok feeling very similar to this. Like, what the hell did I just watch? Like, that's a complete <laughs> different shift from what I was expecting. And I'm a bit more of a fan of the Thor movies and a lot of other people out there. But, yeah, I mean, it's just... Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just... I Visually, this movie is, is stunning. I mean, I saw it in 2D. I could imagine what it'd be like in 3D. And, like, DC EU movies always get the criticism for over-reliance on special effects and... I just think that kind of it's just it almost looks very comic booky, and that's kind of what I appreciate about it. It's just, oh, there's just like I don't know, like one minute I'm watching a Star Wars prequel, then I'm watching an Indiana Jones movie, then I'm watching Wonder Woman, then I'm watching, um, I don't know what else I'm watching. Like freaking, it's just there's so many different tone shifts, and just it's odd. The hunt and, for Red October, yes, the Hunt <laughs> for Red October, and. Oh, but, but again, like, you just, I can't hate on the fact that, like, this has got an amazing supporting cast. Like, what is it about superhero movies taking middle-aged Australian female actors, turning them into badasses, and making them hot? Like, like, I saw that with Kate Blanchett a year ago in Thor. Yeah. And I've never been a Kate Blanchett fan, but I'm like, damn, Kate Blanchett. I've always liked Nicole Kidman, but, like, this time around, I'm like, damn, Nicole Kidman. And, like, she can kick ass. Like, I love Nicole Kidman so much more after seeing this movie. Uh, this is definitely like a comeback for Nicole Kidman too, because I, she's not taking herself so seriously. Um, she doesn't look so artificially plastic, which is funny because exactly they essentially spend the majority so. of the movie <laughs> making her digitally plastic, <laughs> which is weird. Um, I, you mentioned like the Star Wars prequels, and uh, for me, the biggest thing I, I walked out of this thinking was like, I feel like I've just seen a more entertaining version of Black Panther. I know there's going to be people out there who are just like, oh, Black Panther was great. I just uh, – we we did dump a little bit on Black Panther. We both said we enjoyed it, but it was sort of like underwhelmed. Um, I rewatched Black Panther just after seeing Aquaman, and I have to say my opinion really hasn't changed. I think that the there's some good stuff in Black Panther, but the action especially is so underwhelming and so sloppy. Uh, we barely see Black Panther in the movie as well. And you have the, the biggest CGI fights. You actually have an opportunity to have like martial arts – uh, fight scenes between the two leads at the end and it ends up being this ridiculous CGI battle that's in pitch black and you can't see anything anyways. I didn't walk away from Black Panther on a second viewing appreciating it anymore. Mm-hmm. But the things that I did appreciate about Black Panther, I think that Aquaman does slightly better in this, other than the fact that the acting's definitely slightly better in Black Panther. Uh, but if you look at the story, it's this, well, the heir to the throne who's been gone, who comes back to reclaim the throne He's challenged by a family member, a cousin in Black Panther, brother in this, um, basically loses it. Uh, the, the villain, the relative who's trying to take the throne, essentially wants to unite everybody against the rest of the world for their political cause. It is the exact same movie. But I feel like we got a lot more in the visuals in this because we see so many different kingdoms in the underwater stuff. Uh, I felt like as as much as i do love michael b jordan i felt like patrick wilson as a villain was definitely a better developed than killmonger was in black panther 
And I feel like we got more out of Aquaman as a superhero than we got out of Black Panther. Because if you add up the screen time of supporting cast member uh, Black Panther in Civil War, I think we got more action out of him than we did in Black Panther. So it's just weird. These two movies are so similar to me. And I don't know if there's a lot of people who are going to say the same thing. But I thought that Aquaman told this story better. I Yeah, I definitely got a lot of Black Panther vibes. And, you know, I'm not going to disagree with you because... I'm on the same page, like, a lot of people don't like our opinions with it, but yeah, I think Black Panther, whilst a decent film, is very much overrated in terms of the, the praise it gets. Um, so, yeah, I definitely saw a lot of Black Panther in it, and I really appreciated Patrick Wilson as well as King Orm. You know, it took me for ages to actually realise who it was, because I actually thought it was David Wenham for, like, a large portion of the film, and I'm like, oh, I love David <laughs> Wenham, and then sort of looked up, and like, oh, wait, that's not David Wenham. Um, it's just because they're so, like, when they're underwater and they've kind of got that digitalness to their face, it's kind of, yeah. it's that final scene when he's on that sub, and he's kind of, you know, you actually see his face for, I think, the first time for real in the whole movie. Um, but, I mean... Yeah, like the the whole arc around um, what what is the evil dude's guy that kind of looks like a bug? Is that Manta? Black Manta. Black Manta. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I really oh. really like that storyline, and a lot of it I'm going to be completely biased because I had a huge fanboy moment in the opening. I, I completely forgot that Michael Beach was in this film. I knew you would. I completely <laughs> forgot he was in this film, and then as soon as I saw, I'm like, it's dark. Oh man, like, for somebody who has spent so much time on these Third Watch episodes, you know, bemoaning the fact that these great actors on this show have never really gone on to do much things outside of, you know, Bobby Cannavale, it's kind of just to see Michael Beach in a big blockbuster like this, just, oh, it's made me so happy, and Willem Dafoe, like, I read a review that mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe was hardly in this film, I'm like, what What the, were they smoking? Like, the guy's in it so much, and amazing, Willem Dafoe has a man bun, and it works! <laughs> I would, I would say he's probably among like the four lead characters of the movie. There oh. really are only four lead characters. Well, he got third billing, I think, from memory at the end of the, yeah. um, you know, behind Jason Momoa and Amber Heard. So, um, <laughs> and it's like this is the first time I think I've ever seen Willem Dafoe play a good guy in a while. So, um, yeah, oh, just I kept uh, expecting him to turn bad. Yeah, didn't you, <laughs> me too. Oh, I love that man. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's such a, and look, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't realize it was Dolph Lundgren until right at the end. I'm like, Oh yeah. I'm like, who is Dolph Lundgren in this movie? And it's like, he was he's like, what? <laughs> that was him? Really? <laughs> and, um, I can never say his name properly, but Tamer, Tamaru Morrison, um, Temuera Morrison. Tem- yeah, yeah. Thank you. Obviously being in New Zealand right now is an iconic Kiwi actor, <laughs> but, um, obviously we know him as Django Fett, but if you've ever seen Once We're Warriors yeah. and name the movie, he's been in such a great actor. And there was actually a really good interview I read with Jason Momoa during the week about how he was so starstruck at meeting him because he was such a big fan of Once Were Warriors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, criticisms for the main two aside, like, this is just such a great cast with such great characters and kind of like, yeah, it was a Black Panther comparisons. I'm not saying it didn't have great casting and kind of, you know, the acting was great and Black Panther and everything, but I come out of this liking the characters more and just having more memories from this. Yes, I've seen it two days ago, but I mean, still with Black Panther, I barely a day after seeing it, I was like, oh, who was that? Who was this? Who was that? So, yeah. Just, uh, this almost feels like Black Panther redo, but having just watched Black Panther again, I completely forgot Lapita Nyong'o is in that movie, and she has the second most screen time behind only <laughs> Chadwick Boseman, and I completely forgot she was even in that movie. We'll, we'll probably um, be doing that again soon, won't we, if it gets nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, so it'll oh, yeah, be a couple of months until we have to talk about it again anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, 
along with the entire cast, I mean, as you said, I think, as you mentioned, like, Nicole Kidman's actually really good in this movie uh, and likable. Uh, and Timmy R. Morrison, who, I mean, who who can't love this guy? He's one of these unsung heroes. Like you said, he's been in so many big things that but nobody really recognizes him. And I feel like he, he kind of gets to be the heart of this movie, at least for the, the, the Earth stuff, if you want to call it that, the Earth and the underwater stuff, those two things. And then Willem Dafoe, who gets to be like the uh, the um, what do you call it? Uh, the, the heart of the underwater. <laughs> the, the what? He's the Obi Wan of this movie. <laughs> he is the Obi Wan of this movie. Yeah, and I just love the fighting scenes and all the flashbacks. And uh, I think the flashbacks it definitely felt very Wonder Woman like to me. With um, you know, we're telling the story, and then all of a sudden you're going back in time and seeing the the young Arthur Curry. Uh, it, it it was a little bit weird just when they would decide to do these flashbacks. But I like that story too, without this entire movie having me flashbacks. Um, Patrick Wilson, even though I didn't think that he was like the greatest ever, I wanted to comment on him for two reasons. One, Jamie would kill me if I didn't, because she loves Patrick Wilson, the way she loves Hugh Jackman and Henry Cavill. Like she absolutely loves Patrick Wilson. And um, I think the other thing being that even though DC is generally considered to be, much better for villains than marvel is i don't know if we've really gotten that out of the movies like they in a way they've kind of been reserved with how they've showcased their villains in the dc movies because zod is used in man of steel and he definitely has a huge presence but we had seen zod so many times that it didn't necessarily feel like something special you know lex Luthor was more of a supporting role in batman versus superman uh in wonder woman aries you don't even know who the villain is until it's like the last 20 minutes of the movie uh suicide squad they're all villains so i mean i guess the only main villain of them all if you want to consider you know uh um the enchantress or whatever uh but the other characters are so much bigger justice league was the first time we actually had like a villain that really had a huge presence and it was steppenwolf who's basically a henchman so if I were to go through these DC movies, I think I would make the argument that Patrick Wilson in this is probably the most prominent villain and maybe the most uh, – I don't know if I would say intimidating, but definitely had the biggest presence. Like he felt like a real villain and this is – and it's funny because here's a guy who's not even of the villains showcase in Aquaman, not even the most well-known villain because if you're a fan of the comics or even just a fan of like animated series you know, over the years, everybody knows that Black Manta is the main villain of Aquaman. Nobody knows who Patrick Wilson's character is. Uh, and here we have Black Manta who acts more as a henchman. And I think Patrick Wilson just was like, he was so good as a villain. That's one of the reasons I really want to watch this again because we got a real villain. And this is something that Marvel really struggles with. And I feel like DC, kind of in retrospect, has struggled with a little bit as well. Um, yeah, look, I, I definitely agree with the most part. I mean, look, I would still say on a personal opinion that I, I think Zod was the best villain in Man of Steel. Just, and I, I get what you're saying. Like, absolutely, we've seen him so much, but I just love Michael Shannon and I just think he owns that character. So, um, we will find him! Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But yeah, I think, like, you're right, like, because, yeah, I'm not a huge Lex Luthor fan in terms of uh, Jesse Eisenberg. I thought it was Heisenberg. Um, <laughs> wrong TV show there, Ben. Um, but yeah, and you're right. He's more of a supporting character and kind of, yeah, like I would, I, I can't disagree with anything you said. I mean, I, I look, I don't know a whole lot about comic books in terms of Aquaman and kind of his biggest foes and all that sort of stuff. To me, Aquaman was always just a laughing stock of the comic book world and he rode around on a seahorse, mm -hmm. which I love the fact that there is a scene in this movie where he is on his seahorse. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but like, I think that 
it, it was interesting kind of just the back and forth in terms of how it was all set up with uh, Patrick Wilson and just everything that came about that way. And, and it's kind of just even the scenes where, you know, you had Patrick Wilson interacting with other people and kind of, you know, what he was doing underwater to try and get this power and everything on those lines. Because to me, it started off like a little bit convoluted. Like, what are they trying to achieve? Like, what? I don't understand this. But then kind of you actually get it. And you're like, oh, okay, right. I understand now. Um, so yeah, I think kind of that stuff made it more interesting once you got a hang of it. One question I just got to quickly ask, and this isn't really spoilers as such, because it's mainly talking about Justice League, but I came out of this really confused, because one, one of my biggest issues about this film is, and like the Marvel movies do it well, where they can always find things to tie into previous movies, whether it be dropping a line here or even just a random cameo. Like this is a very, like you can watch this without having seen any of the other DC movies because there's like what one line in this film when they mention something that happened in another movie and yeah. that's it. Um, th- what in Justice League is there not a scene when Arthur goes to Atlantis and speaks to someone or is he somewhere else? Because I-, I know there's an underwater scene when he's talking to somebody, but he acts like he's never been to Atlantis before. But am I am I wrong there in thinking that? Yeah, no, he he doesn't go to Atlantis in it. He, it's it's some type of meeting place, but uh, he, he does go to meet uh, what's her name, um, uh, the, the Amber Heard character. It is Vera, yeah, yeah. So he meets her, and that's the only thing that I wasn't quite clear on this movie, like how much of a pre-existing relationship they have. And it, now watching this, I feel like has she basically just spent the last year, two years, who knows how long, meeting with him like once a week saying, hey, you consider coming back to Atlantis yet? No, no, no. Okay, okay. I'll keep trying. Because <laughs> when she comes out of the water, of the I swear it's like they've never met before. Like that's kind of what the implication yeah. I got. I'm like, hang on a minute, isn't she in Justice League? Yeah, and when I see it the second time, I'll definitely, I'll, that's one of the things I'll be looking for because I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, well, it wasn't Atlantis, but it, it wasn't actually Atlantis. It was just some meeting place. Right. Um, but definitely, they those two characters know each other, uh, and she's been trying the same thing since even before Justice League. Uh, but the, the one line you mentioned uh, is basically where I think she's or somebody else is saying, Arthur, you know, you're the man who defeated Steppenwolf. You know, mm. you you can do this, and he's like, No, no, I can't. You know, he should have said like, uh, actually, Superman did it. You know, <laughs> I sort of flew through the air stabbing some parademons. But which, uh, which again, uh, similar to what you ask a lot of the time in Marvel movies, like when they're not an Avengers movie, like. There's a sequence where there's kind of an element of destruction on the surface uh, in this movie. So, again, the question has to be, where's Superman? Like, where's Batman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where's the Flash? Where are they? They're all buddies now. They've just teamed up. And even the stuff when, like, they're in the desert and they're kind of going through all that sort of stuff, it's like, why not just get Superman on the phone or Flash? Like, this is, this is. I mean, like, even jokes aside, I honestly think it would have been cool to have a cameo. Because this, is this the first one to not have any absolute cameo because i mean even wonder woman sort of had the stuff with the letter at the beginning mm. from bruce wayne suicide squad had the batman cameo uh i mean this has got to be the first one isn't it without i mean man of steel technically but yeah this is surely the first one without any actual cameos from anybody else yeah yeah and you know it's funny because i i feel like there's this false narrative right now on the internet that you know oh due to the negative response to justice league they did this this and this to aquaman this movie was already filming before justice league even came out mm. and and i find that fascinating too just if you look at the fact that justice league did underperform at the box office you know the reception was kind of lukewarm it wasn't negative it wasn't positive it was just sort of lukewarm uh and i i would make the argument that if this movie had been filming after that. If the, the filming was scheduled to take place six months later and this movie's release date was next summer or something like that, I don't think this movie even gets made. And in some ways, I do consider it lucky that um, 
you know, if we had gone all the way up until Justice League and the only movie that like really, really hit, I mean, they all made a ton of money and they all definitely have their followings, but the only one that really hit with like all audiences was Wonder Woman. I don't know if those main Justice League characters ever continue. And I feel like now, at least with the success of Aquaman and the fact that this movie was, you know, in development at the time of Justice League, they've sort of proven, you know, we can, I'm not even going to say right the wrongs because I like all the DC, I prefer the DC movies at least over the more recent Marvel movies. Um, but I feel like we're going to get a second chance now to see these characters like Batman and Superman. And I mean, Flash was going to happen regardless, just because how good Flash was, but maybe even get a Justice League 2 now with the success of this movie. So, I mean, regardless of whatever issues I have with this, I'm glad that this movie, for whatever reason, even if it is just generic superhero movies, is really hitting with audiences. And the thing, too, because, like, um, I'm sure you've seen the Shazam trailer, uh, which looks amazing. I mean, I'm more, I've always been more excited for Shazam than I was Aquaman, because I just think it looks, looks oh, yeah. great. But, I mean, even, like, in the trailer for Shazam, you kind of, there's that scene when they go through the drawer and you see, like, the word Superman and all that sort of stuff. So, it's kind of like, clearly, they're still tying it in. But, like, it's, it's just... I feel like we need to do an episode on the future of the DCEU because, you know, the troubles they've had and all this sort of stuff and everything around it, you and I are fans of it and kind of it just it's so unsure and like, yes, we've locked in, you know, we've got Shazam obviously coming, we've got Wonder Woman 2, we've got, uh, what, the Emancipation of Harley Quinn or whatever the earth it's called, <laughs> um, and we've, pray, got, yeah. we've got Joker, which is loosely, you know, well, it's not connected, but it's still, I guess, a, a Warner movie, um... Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's interesting because you know Flashpoint I think still happening isn't it Cyborg I think is sort of loosely mm-hmm. still happening you know and it's kind of like it's great Suicide Squad two is well, that's still happening that's good I think they're still pursuing a Jared Leto Joker movie as well so like I mean there's all these things that it looks like they're doing which kind of it'll be interesting to get on their feet there's been talk of like Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck kind of stepping away even though nothing's ever been confirmed and it's just kind of the thing that. Just going back onto topic here that annoys me slightly with what they do with this universe is, like, we had that great post credit scene at the end of Justice League, kind of, you know, with Lex Luthor mm-hmm. and setting up a villain, and then kind of we've even got another one at this one, which, again, it's kind of like, but you feel like they're not leading anywhere, at least with Marvel, like, even if you have no idea, like me, what the hell, who's that? Who's, I didn't know who Thanos was, like, two years ago, three years ago, like, I didn't know what these credit scenes mean, but at least they come to something. And you just feel like with the DC ones at the moment, like they're setting some interesting things up, but where, where are they going with it? Kind of like what I'm doing right now. I don't know where I'm going with what I'm saying, but anyway, Aquaman. Uh- yeah. <laughs> uh, quickly, before we get on the Jason Momoa and Amber Heard conversation, uh, Black Manta. Like I said, this is the main villain. This is who I think everybody expected would have been the villain of this movie. And I'm kind of glad that he is more of a henchman in this. But at the same time, the way you follow the story, it really is two separate stories. I felt like the way you said the Black Manta storyline with like the Michael Beach stuff at the beginning of the submarine. This to me was the most interesting thing in this movie, even considering we have all these different kingdoms underwater and everything. Uh, I liked the more earthbound stuff mm-hmm. and uh, the, the more realistic. Maybe it is because it is more like the the other DC movies. It's real world. Uh, it's what if pirates you know, got this technology and everything. The translation of Black Manta, who's an okay villain in the comics, was just, like, electrifying in this movie. And more than anything, I've walked on every single person I've talked to about this movie, I said, you've got to see it for no other reason than just Black Manta. And Black Manta essentially disappears from the movie halfway through, only to, you know, pop up close to the end. All of Black Manta's stuff is sort of in the first half. 
but like I kept waiting for him to come back. And if there was any complaint I really had was that I wanted maybe less of the underwater battles as visually impressive as it is. And I wanted something on the land to at least bring if, if no other reason, just bring Black Manta in there. Like Black Manta, I think will go down, especially if we do get him in a sequel, which is kind of the way I think that they set this up, will go down as like one of the all time great comic book movie villains. And I appreciate the setup they do with him. And I'm not just saying that because of Michael Beach is involved, but I like it when you get a villain sort of arc and you get a bit of a setup because again, I think for someone like myself who doesn't, who hasn't read the comic books and kind of doesn't know a lot of the backstory, like I like it when a movie will kind of go into it with an origin story or kind of at least give you a bit of a reasoning behind why they are this person. Um, because, you know, sometimes I think there's a bit of implication and like straight away, like, well, you should know who this person is or you should know who that is. You should have read the comic books. Whereas I guess, you know, not everybody knows how to read, um, like myself. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think a lot of the land stuff was great. Um, I, yeah, was intrigued sort of just like how he kind of got the technology and kind of had these weird sort of Atlantis stormtroopers who were just about as useful as stormtroopers as well. So I love those outfits. <laughs> They're like really cool. Um, but like, yeah, maybe one of my favorite sequences of the whole movie, and well, I guess we, it's not really spoilers by talking about it because they released a five minute extended version of it in a trailer, was sort of them going through Sicily and kind of the way they were jumping on the yeah. roofs and like there's just that one continuous shot behind, um, you know, one of the, the henchmen sort of people crashing through all the walls and like it's just, it's epic. It looks so, so good. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's really good. And, and also the land stuff, I appreciate the fact, cause that's when we get some of the really cheesy soundtrack moments, which I know a lot of people are making memes about. Like we've got that ocean to ocean pitbull song, which is like basically a rehashed version of Africa by Toto when they're coming mm-hmm. out of the water in slow motion. And already it's like they've made so many memes about it. Like somebody's gotten the scene from, um, Infinity War when Thor comes into Wakanda and they've like dubbed over the ocean to ocean by pitbull. It actually really works. Like, it's actually quite funny. And I think I read a bit with the director, uh, James Wan, basically saying how, you know, he looked at the one of the edits of it when they've got this slow motion bit to Pitbull. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing with my movie? And it's like, oh, but it actually works. Like, it's so cheesy and over the top that it actually fits to the tone of the movie. So mm-hmm. we kept it in or something like that. So, yeah, there's some fun stuff on the land. And I definitely agree with you. I think, yeah, that um, Black Man is... He's fascinating. I want to know more about him. I like him. And I like the actor. I'm going to try and say his name. What is it? Yaha... Abdul Mateen the second is that how we say his name? I'm not going to even try to correct you or <laughs> confirm, <laughs> but I like him. I like him. I think he's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's get on to the Jason Momoa thing. Okay, so here's where I agree with you. He is not the world's best actor. Um, at the same time, we're sitting here like Dolph Lundgren. How great is that? Dolph Lundgren's not the world's greatest actor, but they have this appeal, this charisma, and I think he does really? have this natural charisma. And the fact is. <laughs> Aquaman as a combo character is not even the, what we're seeing in this movie. Uh, he's basically lacking personality, even in the comics. And what we get here is we get this interpretation of the character, which is kind of halfway between surfer and truck driver. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like he just brings a lot of personality to this character. And, you know, whether his line delivery is great or not, I mean, he's cool. I I, I just like Jason Momoa. I feel I watch this movie and I'm like, yeah, you know, this would be a cool guy to hang out with, you know. Um, he's definitely got a lot of people's attention for years because I think he started on this TV show Stargate Atlantis, which, you know, was kind of like a B sci-fi show. 
Um, and he was the guy that you know everybody was talking about in this movie. And I remember when he first broke in the movies, he did the Conan the Barbarian movie. Everybody's excited. It's like, oh, this guy Jason Momoa is going to be a huge star. He looks like a guy who should be a huge star in the 80s, you know, because it is more of a look with him than it is acting ability. Um, but I kind of miss those type of action heroes like guys like Sylvester Stallone or Dolph Lundgren where, you know, it's the physique. It's the the, the natural charm that they have. You know, I mean, we, I don't think you could be a fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger and not at least get what I'm saying about Jason Momoa. That It is just sort of the natural charm he has and likability that especially in a movie where he's playing Aquaman of all people and he makes Aquaman kind of cool. This is a conversation I had with Mallory afterwards, and it's funny you mentioned sort of like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like 80s action stars, because I think my issue with him is that I don't agree that he's got charisma. I think he's bland, and I think he's, this is my problem. He, he fits into the category of like a Gerard Butler and a, um, Jason Statham to me. Like they're fine sort of side people kind of for doing what they're doing, but they can't hold a movie. What? Like I just don't Jason think- Statham? No. Nah, I can't I can't stomach him as a lead in a movie. Oh, shut I just, up. I just don't think he can hold a movie. And like that's my problem. I think Jason Momoa is sort of like a side person, like in Justice League, like he was my least favourite, but you know, he's there for what he is. I just don't think he can hold a movie. And I think that they can just tell his acting ability is just so bad that they purely go for the cheesy one-liners, which, again, like, as you were saying, that's what we had in the 80s, like, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, people like that. But the difference is, is, like, to me, they've got personality to hold a movie and you're intrigued by them, whereas this is, you know, not a dumb, over-the-top action movie that you're sort of you're watching in the 80s. And, like, yeah, you say Dolph... Yeah, absolutely, Dolph Lundgren can't act, but in this movie, he's a side person. Like, you know, you kind of... That's what he's there. If this was somebody else, like, starring in this and Jason Momoa isn't the star. Like, he's not going to be as bad. And I think what also makes it even worse is the fact that Amber Heard, holy crap, who is this woman? Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, she cannot she's, act. <laughs> I'm not... Like, here's the thing. She's not annoyingly bad. She's just... The way you describe Jason Momoa, that's the way I describe Amber Heard. She's just blah, mm. you know? Like, there's nothing exciting about her. You don't really care... She's got an interesting look in this movie, but so does so. Yeah, their chemistry is lacking. I feel like casting somebody, you know, with a little bit more experience would have helped, you know, with his lack of acting experience. I hate to say lack of acting experience. The guy's been acting a long time, but he's got a limited range. The funny thing is. What really made him a huge star, you know, he's had this huge fan base for over 10 years, but what made him a huge star was Game of Thrones, where. The only lines of dialogue he speaks is in a foreign language that's not even a real language. <laughs> and he just became like a sensation off the first season of Game of Thrones just solely based on physical presence. Uh, and that's, I think, along with the fact that I think he is just a cool guy, uh, the physical presence is really important, especially when we're in these superhero movies where everybody's smaller. I mean, yes, Henry Cavill's physique is incredible for a guy that is average size you know ben affleck got really bulked up but again average size we're finally having a superhero that looks like a superhero out of the comic books i mean the same thing you said with the marvel movies outside of you know thor can you really say any of these marvel superheroes look like superheroes and i get that like you know th there is like people want to relate to the superheroes but at the same time also you want to feel like these people are larger than life and i think jason momoa whether his line delivery is great or not, he, he's got a physical presence about him. Where it's like you're not going to forget the guy. I mean, he looks unique, he sounds unique, 
in a weird way, I'm going to compare him to Keanu Reeves. You know, Keanu Reeves also not the world's greatest actor, but he's just got this cool presence about him. And both these guys are Hawaiian, so maybe that has something to do with it. He's just got this cool presence where it's like, I like the guy. And I I feel like between him and Amber Heard, he was definitely pulling the weight in those scenes. Uh, but I think more than anything, I don't because this is more of a cheesy movie, and it is fun, it's more of a throwback, his acting did not hurt the movie to me. Look, yeah, I mean... I don't walk out of this going, I hate it because he can't act. It's probably just my biggest thing about it. And, like, yeah, he looks the part. He absolutely looks the part. Physically, you know, everything about him looks the part. And, yeah, you're right. Like, physically, he looks like a superhero. It's just... It's just... And, again, like, it's probably not to the point where it annoys me, like as you were saying that with Amber Heard as well. It's just... I mean, it's kind of like when I walked out of the Meg, it's just kind of like, oh, you know, he can't... Like, it just annoys me that he can't act. And it's kind of like when I saw... um, What was that stupid... um. Gerard Butler won about the end of the world in the last 12 months. Um, oh, um, Geostorm. Geostorm, yeah, similar thing. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, really, like, there's just, I think kind of in this day and age when kind of, if this was the 80s, yeah, it's probably going to work. You're not going to be saying these sort of things. But, like, I don't know, it just it feels like today when you kind of have this level about it where y- you can write more of a role around a person's acting ability. I mean, look at The Matrix, for example. Like, yeah, you're right, Keanu Reeves can't act. But, like, The Matrix is written to a point where Neo, like, that's all he needs to do. Like, The Terminator, that's all Arnold Schwarzenegger needs to do. And you come out of it going, God, he's good. Um, whereas, like, I feel like somebody needs to have a bit more charisma. And I just, I just don't get charisma from Jason Momoa. That's, like, my thing. It's kind oh. of, it's like my Daniel Craig arguments in James Bond. I don't get charisma from Daniel Craig. So it's kind of, um, that's my thing where I'm looking at it, from my opinion. But, yeah, I, Again, we're we're agreeing on all the little points and just disagreeing on the charisma. And I think that's the difference. I look at this, I say this is charisma uh, because of just the way he carries himself. Whereas you're like, it's not charisma because he doesn't, you know, feel uh, charismatic enough, I guess. Yeah. And it's like, look, it's... And again, I don't, like, hate the movie because of it. And you would then ask the question, well, Ben, who would you put this in place, like, for, for charisma? And it's like, well, I, I couldn't answer that. I don't know. Like, because, I mean, again, he looks the part. It's kind of, you know, you look at someone like Christopher Reeve who just looks like, you know, I mean, Superman is a character yeah. anyway where you kind of cast someone based more on a look, isn't it, than a kind of what they're doing. And I guess Aquaman's a similar thing. You need him to look a certain way. I mean, the guy's got his shirt off for the majority of this film, um, and you kind of need him to have these cool, like, and tribe marks on him and the long hair and sort of everything like this because I guess that's also a look today, isn't it? I mean, again, if this movie was made 20 years ago, he's probably going to look different because of that's what you would perceive a sort of guy like this to look like anyway. So, I don't know. Amber Heard's Heard's good to look at. Can I just point that out? I feel like we're going to, you know, so is Jason Momoa. They're both good-looking people to look at. But, uh, yeah. While we were saying there, here's something interesting because you brought up, oh, I wonder why Jamie loved this movie because he's shirtless half the movie. You know what the weird thing is? Jamie did not bring that up once during this movie, which is unlike her. I've even you know, articulated her reactions when Superman emerged for the first time through the fire in Man of Steel. <laughs> um, or Ben Affleck you know, pulling all the, the stuff on the chain in Batman vs. Superman. Uh, or you know, any of the guys in Suicide Squad. Or Let's just go down the list. <laughs> but um, with this movie, the, the, she brought it up at the end of the movie. She goes, you know what's weird? It's like, even though he's shirtless the entire time, I didn't feel like... They were drawing attention to it, and it really made me think about when Wonder Woman came out. I think we had the conversation on uh, – Jamie and I had the conversation on the review, and then we had the conversation on the recap that maybe having a female director directing the movie, 
you're looking at it from a different set of eyes. So even though Gal Gadot looked stunning and looked exactly the same way as she would have in any, any other movie, having a woman direct that movie, they presented her in a way where it wasn't drawing your attention to the fact, look, this is an, you know, a, an incredible looking woman. Um, so she didn't feel like, you know, a sex symbol or an object in that movie, despite looking like one. Jamie kind of made the same comparison with Aquaman here, where at no point in the movie are they zooming in. It's not, movies aren't so obvious. Like, I'm not saying this in terms of the way the Fast and Furious movies do. Let's zoom in on, you know, Vin Diesel's abs and there's a sparkle, you know, (laughs) Uh, giant blinding light. But uh, it's more just the subtle things about how they don't draw attention to it. He is shirtless for half the movie. Jamie, you know, I'm sure she appreciated it, but it wasn't meant to draw anybody's attention and i didn't even realize that until she said that where this movie's not going out of its way to showcase him as a sexual object the way that let's be honest this is something where despite what people think hollywood is completely equal i mean if you don't think that look at chris hemsworth chris evans the way that they're revealed in the thor and captain america movies or anybody else in these marvel movies i mean these movies man or woman are always trying to get people's attention and i don't think there's one moment in this movie they try to do that with aquaman i think yeah i mean kind of whenever we've watched justice league or anything before i mean you would we were with you when we last watched justice league when mallory saw it for the first time you know mm-hmm. the constant jason momoa oh he's so attractive he's so attractive um I don't think I heard her once, and not once in this film, but she turned to me and said, like, oh, he's so attractive. He said, and particularly, like, you know, the extremely... She, I even, like, tapped Mallory on the shoulder because you could tell it was about to happen. It's in the trailer, like, in the opening sequence in the submarine. I'm like, oh, cue cheesy entrance from Aquaman yeah. in five. Or, you know, <laughs> permission to come aboard. Like, just kind of, you know, and, like, I, even then, didn't get a reaction from her. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. And because, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's covered in tats as well, which maybe doesn't quite emphasize it. But if you, like, for example, like in the Meg, like, there's that scene when Jason Statham is just freaking, like, you know, walks that the woman walks in <laughs> on him, and it's kind of like, oh, look at my twelve pack. Yeah, um, it's just like it's so obvious. But yeah, no, I think you're right. What you're saying. Uh, quick trivia here, because this movie came out, and we're probably not going to get to a review on Mary Poppins Returns, uh, which was surpri- which was surprisingly good. How oh, did you uh, see it? But, uh, we did. I, we took my nieces to see it for Christmas. Right. Uh, but uh, interesting story. Julie Andrews, who, of course, starred in the original Mary Poppins, turned down a cameo in Mary Poppins Returns, like refused to do anything in Mary Poppins Returns. Yet the same weekend, she has a cameo in Aquaman. Did you know who, who she played in Aquaman? She the voice of one of the, the well, you know, a female The character? giant <laughs> sea creature that he has to defeat to get the trident. Oh, really? Is that... Is that a, the, 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 the ocean's most dangerous being... Wow. was voiced by Julie Andrews. That's what she chose to do over a cameo in Mary Poppins Returns, which that's I just thought was funny. Well, that's kind of like, um, uh, I know, uh, was it the year that uh, Suicide Squad came out? People were like, why did Will Smith turn down Independence Day Resurgence to do Suicide Squad? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I can see why he did. <laughs> yeah, no matter what criticism <laughs> Suicide Squad got, it was a thousand times better than Independence Day Resurgence. Good job, Will. <laughs> Um, before we get to our reviews, uh, I, I just wanted to mention, because when we saw this, Jamie said, oh, you're probably going to see this movie again. And my initial reaction was, well, I don't know. I mean, there's uh, it'll depend on what else is coming out and, you know, if I'm bored and have time to see it. Didn't realize that she actually was setting it up. So uh, one of the things Jamie got me for Christmas was um, a, a new uh, Lego game, which is Lego DC Super Villains, mm-hmm. which is basically you're playing all as the villains and it's one of the Lego games. And... 
uh, on the disc she got me, it had like one of these stickers. It was like eight dollars off an admission to Aquaman. Which every time there's a major movie, they've got some type of campaign like that. At least here, uh, where you know if you buy a past movie in the franchise, here's a discount on a movie ticket. Uh, but she told me the way she got this was um, she had bought the Lego game somewhere else, and it had this sticker for the $8 off the movie admission. Uh, then she found it cheaper somewhere else. So she returned the game, but she took the sticker off. And because she knew that they'd be like, well, where's the sticker? She actually used oil to remove all the residue. Like she went to great lengths to get this $8 off coupon. <laughs> so that when she got the replacement disc from somewhere else where it was cheaper, I could still get the $8 off. So I will be going to see this movie again, probably next weekend. Um, but uh, the fact is, like I, I've been going through this entire time. I really want to see this movie again. Like I'm interested to see what's my reaction going to be a second time. And I'm I'm almost hesitant to even give this thing a rating because I don't know whether I would end up renting this like I did Suicide Squad and I loved Suicide Squad. I watched it multiple times, but I felt like it was a rent-worthy movie and not a must-see. And I'm still on the fence, although I think I would lean more towards buying it at this point just because if a movie's interesting enough where I feel like I want to pay my hard-earned money, to see it again, just because there's something there that has me intrigued, I think that's a buy-worthy one. So I'm going to do a buy-it-now, but I'd be very curious to revisit this in a week and see if my opinion changed. I'll be completely honest with you and say I have no plans to see this again. And it's not like I didn't like it or anything. It's just I didn't walk out of this movie going, I need to see it again. I kind of think like, okay, that was it, cool. And it's probably going to be one that when it comes out on you know DVD, download, whatever, I'll watch then, try and make a, an opinion of it then. Um I just, oh, I don't know. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm just going to be sort of more of a higher rent because I just, I can't. I mean, maybe I think kind of that just sums it up when I just said that I don't want to go out and see it again. Like, I'm just, I'd rather wait for this to come out because I don't know. It's just not something that, like, Justice League. I walked out of that going like, wow, I fucking love that. I want to go see that again. Um, you know, and Batman v Superman, similar thing. And it's kind of just, I didn't have that reaction. But I, again, I'm still just in such an intrigued weirdness about what I feel about this movie so I'm gonna rent it um I think this is the first time in the DCEU I have not bought a movie um mm. so and only the second time either of us has only rented it yeah because you, you rented Suicide Squad that's right which is interesting because mm. I, I think kind of I don't think we went through every single Marvel's one and did I mean I know we kind of did that mini review no. but I don't think we bought we did that but um there's definitely some rents and bins in the Marvel one um <laughs> But yeah, I just, I'm just, I'm gonna rent it just for now. Um, and maybe, you know, look down the line, like, I, I would, I, I definitely would like down the line to be able to revisit, you know, these universes that we've done, you know, kind of like one day, sort of maybe in the lead up to Wonder Woman 2, we can go over and do proper recaps mm-hmm. of like Justice League, Aquaman, Shazam will be out by then. Um, and I think after Shazam, it's the Emancipation one, isn't it? Isn't that the next one? Cause they delayed uh, Wonder Woman 2, did they not? Um, well, I think Wonder Woman 2 will still be before Birds of Prey. Well, yeah. Joker might come before. I think Joker comes before even well, uh, Joker for either comes of like those. October next year, but again, that's kind of like yeah. it's not an official DCEU movie. It's kind of what they're doing at DC Dark or whatever they're calling it. Yeah. Uh, if I'm looking here, so according to this list, Shazam, April fifth, twenty nineteen; Birds of Prey, February seventh, two thousand twenty; Cyborg, Cyborg, April three, twenty twenty; Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, is now June fifth, twenty twenty. Um, so, I mean, according to this, we are going to get four DCEU movies between February and July in 2020, between Birds of Prey, Cyborg, Wonder Woman 1984, and Green Lantern Corps. Uh, I have a feeling that Cyborg and Green Lantern might be delayed since they 
aren't even in production which yet, i'm but... sad because i really want a cyborg movie like i i yeah, like cyborg in justice league and i want a cyborg movie so anyway mm-hmm. um but and flashpoint i mean oh yes so excited for flashpoint whenever they get that off the ground yeah and green lantern corpse i mean they haven't even like tom cruise was in discussions wasn't he to play green yeah. lantern that would be interesting but uh, i'm i'm very much looking forward to shazam can i just point that out i know nothing of shazam outside of the fact oh, it was yeah. a terrible shaquille o'neal movie um <laughs> but i i that trailer just gets me excited it looks hilarious um shazam i discovered the comics for shazam probably five years ago when it was used as a backup feature in justice league so there'd be the justice league story and then they do seven or eight pages of shazam and i became obsessed with shazam to the point where i think it's probably one of the greatest things i've ever read in comics so this is like my number one movie. i'm more excited for shazam next year than i am avengers endgame mm. um which by the way how bland was that title when they revealed that endgame oh boy yeah but that, that uh original Shaz- <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I think Shazam's the one I'm definitely most excited about. Um, but uh, we, we got other things coming out. We, I should mention we have the Bumblebee review, which I did with my nephew, who's very energetic and contributes very little uh, <laughs> as far as <laughs> intelligent conversation, but still fun to have on. We did a review of Bumblebee, which uh, I'm just going to say it now. Uh, people need to check out Bumblebee. Like, Even though I think overall Aquaman's probably going to be the movie that I'm a bigger fan of, I walked out of Bumblebee like blown away like it is amazingly good um and there's no reason it should be so uh people should definitely check out bumblebee and listen to the review for that uh and uh we're still on hiatus we're going to eventually come back probably i think in february march we're going to do our movie recaps we got our regular tv recaps in the meantime um you've got your third watches and uh lost is still on hold but probably coming back soon (laughs) well look we've tentatively scheduled it to air the first monday of 2019 but um i'll be honest with you at the time of recording this i've only recorded two so um (laughs) i'm just working around noah so hopefully we'll have a few more to bank in but um yeah i want to make sure that we don't start again and stop again but um Mm -hmm. best of 2018 also oh yeah as of right now hoping to release that on new year's eve which is 24 hours essentially so um hopefully that will be out with some fun moments from 20 2018 it's been a good year it's been a great year and i've heard some of the clips because i put some of them together and uh i was on the other episodes i am oh there's some big explosion outside my room Casper, <laughs> the terrorist attack in winnipeg <laughs> terrorist attack of a two-year-old <laughs> i'm sure something bad's happening but uh yeah, we'll be back very soon um make sure to like us on facebook follow us on twitter listen to us on itunes stitcher google podcasts anywhere else you can find podcasts where we may or may not be and if you can then just listen on itunes stitcher or google podcasts um we'll be back for probably oscar reviews will be the next thing but you never know maybe something else in the meantime My name is Colin, and I didn't read the book. I only saw the movie. And my name is Ben, and I could have just peed on it. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.